You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. This is your homeboy, your host, Nathan Crankfield, and it is great to be with you today. You, uh, you know, you might hear a little bit of raspiness in my voice. I had to take a little break there from recording because I got like really sick. We were traveling, went to the Michigan game. It was amazing, dude! Incredible. We went to Michigan State at Michigan. If you don't know. You probably know because you listen to the podcast, but uh, I'm a lifelong Michigan, uh, University of Michigan Wolverines fan. And so it was just an incredible experience to get to go to the big house uh, with my wife, went to the hockey game the night before, which was really fun. And uh, yeah, just had a great experience. And we went up to Traverse City, had a little condo on the lake, um, Lake Michigan. And uh, my best friend, best man, Bob Doherty and his wife, Sarah, joined us. You have, if you're an OG, if you're an OG Seeking Excellence listener, you've heard both of them on the podcast before. Bob's done two episodes, I believe, and Sarah has done one. We did the one on miscarriage together. Um, yeah, so super exciting. So we had a great time, uh, really chill, but we were all kind of sick the whole time, which kind of sucked. Um, Emily actually felt the best uh, despite being pregnant, but she's kind of out of that... Um, First trimester gang, and now she's really kind of just living the life. You know what I mean? She is just getting after it. It's pretty cool to see her in the second trimester. Now the sickness is kind of a drag, but uh, it's it's real what they say, that when you get out of that first trimester, the sickness kind of subsides, energy kind of comes back. And so it's been fun having her back in the game. Uh, we did recently find out the gender. I'm not going to let you know on here right now. Um, but we will do a little thing. Uh, it's looking like the week of Thanksgiving. So we want to wait and do a gender reveal with our family uh, the week of Thanksgiving. And then uh, we'll let the world know. But I'm curious if you have a guess, you'll have to let me know. We're trying to tally the guesses, obviously do some Instagram polls and things like that to see what you think. Um, but yeah, it's exciting stuff. It's been really fun kind of figuring that out and starting to prep more for that and really start shifting the mind towards parenthood, you know, thinking about like, what kind of dad do you want to be? You know, and I've been thinking about that for a long time, for a lot of my life, especially my adult life. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's it's makes you a little nervous, but um, just incredibly, incredibly looking forward to to meeting the young, the young baby. 
You know what I'm saying? So, so that's fun. Um, other things, today's election day. And so it's election day. Um, and so today's topic, I had all these things I was planning on talking about for a long time. And today's topic, I sat down on my computer at 5.50 or so this morning to write a blog because I write a blog for the Holy Ruckus. I believe they also have a podcast. Um, there's some pretty great people. I've never, I've never like super like interacted with them. Um, but they asked me to be one of their blog writers and they have a bunch. They do a great job of kind of managing this blog. Um, I think it's pretty cool to see the way that they do it, but, uh, trying to pull them up right now. Oh goodness. I just remembered something else. Um, but yeah, they're really cool. They post a lot. Um, and have some good content and it's interesting cause like they're not, uh, you know, they're not, I wouldn't say that they're woke at all as far as I know, but I sometimes feel like I might be a little bit edgier than their normal or like kind of average writer. Um, and so I don't know if they'll hate this one that I wrote this morning. I guess they did have this girly on their podcast. Um, the Chica from Team Quarter Black. What's her name? Shannon uh, Schmidt. She's pretty woke. She used to follow me. We actually did some stuff together back in the day. I was on her podcast, which is wild. Her, her, so Shannon Schmidt, her, um, her handle is Team Quarter Black on Instagram. And she is just a goon, man. And she... Uh, her bio says female theology nerd, biracial feminist, co-host of this podcast. I forget what the podcast is called. Plaid skirts and basic black is what it's called. And uh, yeah, so they had me on after I wrote like about the BLM stuff and things like that. But Lord knows they wouldn't have me on again. Um, she's a really interesting character. She's got the she, her, hers in her uh, bio, which is helpful. I think it's I think it's always interesting when you put the third one, you know, like, I feel like she, her, I feel like she should cover it. Like the fact that you put three puts it in there. That means that you are so deep in gender ideology that you believe as some people do that you could be like a, she, they, or like a, she, them, she, them, zers. So you could do three different ones, which is like, I mean, can we just, can we just say, can we just acknowledge that like maybe you just say you're a she and that's it. Now imagine this. Imagine you're a Catholic podcaster and you not only feel the need to put that you are female as the first word of your bio and that you're a theology nerd, but also to put that you're a biracial feminist and then also put three pronouns in your bio. Some would call it redundant. Um, I still follow Dear Shannon, and unfortunately, she's unfollowed me, and it's really genuinely hard for me to imagine why. I don't know what I could have done um, that would have upset her so much. So this is the kind of stuff, I mean, the holy ruckus, I'm not trying to dog them by any means, but they have people that uh, disagree with me. And so I write blogs for them because I think it's good. I need uh, some like accountability with my writing. And so they're really helpful in, in providing me with that. And not like in a sharp way, nothing happens to my life if I just didn't write for them when I'm scheduled to. But I am, I strive to be a man of my word. And even though I often deliver them a little bit late, like it was due yesterday, I'm going to get it to them today. It doesn't go up till Monday. Um, 
But I, I was like, you know, I, I try to keep up with my writing. There was a time where I didn't do it um, for a little while. I took a little time off because I was like, you know, I'm just, I, I know that I can't commit to this. But uh, it's really fun. And so I've been writing for them now for a little bit. And uh, I, I sat down to write this morning and I was like, man, I've been planning to write my blog for them about um, the adult children and divorce thing, which I still need to podcast about. And then um, I got asked to write a blog for OSV as well. And so I think I'm going to do that on some masculinity stuff. And I'm also kind of late on writing that one. But uh, I sat down this morning and it's election day. You know what I mean? So I was just like, man, I want to talk about this stuff, but damn it, it's election day. And so I was just like really struggling. You know, I've been really into the, like the founding fathers and I'm doing my reading on Atlas Shrugged. And I was just like, man, I don't want to talk about anything else. <laughs> I want to get political. I was like, man, I want to be political today. So I did. And well, first what I did was I pulled up the Holy Rockets. I pulled up their website. And so I looked at the website and um, they have lots of great blogs in there. I encourage you to go check it out. I think the website's pretty great. Um, but there was one that I had recently come across. It was something about not putting your identity in politics, putting it in the church. And this woman who's like a middle-aged woman that wrote this described herself in college or younger, you know, late teens as being kind of social justice or at least being labeled as social justice And, um, that made me want to like balance that out. So I was like, okay, I kind of wanted to take her topic and talk about it a little bit more. So I was like, okay, she made some good points. Obviously we should put our, our identity in Christ, right? I should be a Catholic, a son of God before I am a Republican or Democrat or independent, whatever it might be, right? Even before I'm an American, right? And I should be an American before I'm a, my political party. So your political party should be like, I mean, as a, as a person, it should be like the 34th most important thing about you, right? Like that might even be pushing it, right? Like of all of my labels and identities, I think that I'm so many things before I'm a Republican, um, including like my role in my workplace, obviously in my relationships, you know, I'm a husband and father. Um, and so you could, you could list all the things, right? And like being a Republican is pretty low on that list. Um, and I'm not a fanatical Republican, like GOP diehard, right? Um, but I definitely am uh, pretty conservative. And so I thought it was really interesting because I think what a lot of people do in that, in their approach to this is they say, you should find your identity in the church. And it almost, it can borderline and sometimes cross the line to being, you should be almost indifferent towards politics, right? Because you have, you have this group of people in the church who come out, I'm one of them, and say, you as a Catholic have to vote pro-life. It is the most pressing and most important issue of our time. And then you'll have other people who say you get wrapped up in being a Republican and being a pro-lifer, and they hate the Republican platform, they hate Donald Trump, and they say you shouldn't put your identity that much in politics, right? Like, we're Catholics, and so we don't belong to any political party, which is true. And if and if we had abolished abortion across the country and both parties agreed with that, you can make, uh, you know, at least 10 years ago, you can make strong arguments, maybe, maybe 15 years ago, um, especially that you could argue that Catholics should vote for Democrats, you know, or at least strong arguments both ways. But in today's world, um, that doesn't make any sense. And so the church really only aligns 
or it doesn't align fully with the Republican Party. There's no chance of that. But I mean, the egregious, like big things that exist in reality. And what I mean by that is not thinking, oh, well, the Republican Party is white supremacist because that's not true. Right. And so when you can when you can devoid yourself of that, because the evidence for that is so paper thin and non-existent for the most part. Um, I, I say for the most part, I can't think of a single example of that um, versus on the other side of like transing kids, full term taxpayer funded abortion. Uh, how how do you look at those two and say, um uh, Republicans are racist, though, according to CNN. So I'm going to go with a Democrat. Doesn't make any sense. And so people say this, and I feel like it can teeter on that, right? And so what I kind of decided to write about today is what I want to talk about today. And that's that I think there's this lie that comes around every election cycle and really exists even in between. And we see this both in the church and in politics. And the lie is that this is the most important time in human history that has ever happened, right? <clears throat> I think it's such an issue and it's such a problem because it leads us to believing that we are somehow in this like epicenter, heroic turning point in human history. And one thing I think we have to acknowledge is that we are in a unique time in human history. There's no denying that, um, you know, Life before this and our interactions with each other and all these different things, like the internet has changed the game. There is no doubt. Social media, you know, the connections on our phones, we've become so global versus before when we were very, very focused on like local politics, local issues. And it was like the federal and international stuff was like way out there, right? Um, and so that's that's a that's something to acknowledge, right? And we do face some serious struggles right now. But to a certain extent, I do think it's a very progressive approach to life to think that we are the most enlightened, the most um, important, the the wisest people that have ever lived. Um, and, and it's one thing to believe that and believing that you're building on this is this is one thing that I think is is opposing between conservatism and progressives. Both might believe that, but the conservative and Catholic approach, I think, is that we if we are if we are if we are the wisest people who have ever lived, it's because of the fact that we are built upon like we're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? It's because of Augustine, obviously the apostles, the Augustine, Aquinas, the church fathers, the doctors of the church the great popes, the great lay people, the great saints who have come before us, that we are able to know and, and so easily access, right, all the things that we can currently have. Why might we be the wisest? Because we have the theology of the body, right? Because we have um, these great church documents, because we have the Summa Theologica. So we we have a starting point, and we can be educated on these things at, you know, by, by 22 and go out into the world and continue to hopefully develop and build on top of those. The problem with progressives' approach to it is they think it's the opposite. They think that that people in the past were so evil, and we learn from them what not to do so much, and that we are so enlightened now through the passage of time that we have figured it all out. And we can actually sever the ties and cut ourselves off from them versus receiving our life and our wisdom and our goodness from the past, from the tradition. We can actually sever and cut the ties and... Um, just ignore it, 
rewrite it, ignore it, whatever. And so those are two interesting ways of looking at the world. Now, I think, again, that it's a very progressive thing to think that this is that turning point, right? And you hear it mostly from Democrats this week, um, or last week, by the time you're listening to this, of if we don't, like this election, democracy is on the ballot, right? Democracy is on the line. Um, And it's like, is it though? You know, And, and you hear this. Constantly, right? Donald Trump's the most divisive president of all time um, from from the left, right? And, and these kind of ideas that uh, we are just kind of in this pivotal moment where we're going to reach this progressive utopia where we're on the border of everything being so free and equal, and um, but at the same time, we're so oppressed and um, we're like abolishing truth and gender and the family and all of these like beautiful things. And that I think does make it a unique time. Right. Um, but one thing that I think is interesting is you also see this on the right. And this became apparent to me again this week as, Oh my gosh, this was so frustrating to me. Um, Donald Trump uh, calling Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious. Um, if you're like me, you might have to, Google the definition of sanctimonious. Um, but sanctimonious basically means acting as though you're morally superior to somebody else. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know what that meant. And so there's that. There's some honesty for you. But he called him this in an effort to make fun of him as he was pointing out that um, he's much he's far ahead, according to him and whatever poll he was reading, of DeSantis in the uh, polls for running for president, right? And so, uh, super interesting stuff. Now, if you know me, you know that I hope that Donald Trump does not run again. I think that there's no chance. I bet by the time this was released, he will have announced his campaign for 2024. Um, I, I put some money on that. I put like 50 bucks on it. So if anybody wants to, you know, in reverse, take me up on that. Um, go ahead and Venmo me 50 or I'll Venmo you, I guess. Well, that's, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Cause then you could all just say that you're calling me on it. So I retract that. I retract that offer, but why you would do that to a Republican governor days before his reelection to a Republican governor who, from my understanding, from what I've heard, and I've listened to a lot of Ron DeSantis has never said anything disparaging or negative about Donald Trump. Um, why you would do that, why you would think that that's for the betterment of society and for the conservatives and for the Republican Party, I, I haven't found a single person who can rationalize it. The only people who do rationalize it are the always Trumpers, the QAnon folk on Twitter and other places of the internet that claim that Trump knows some shit that we don't know. Which, if, if you are a rational, conservative and you've been one, you know, at any time before 2020, you're probably tired of hearing that. Because the Q and crazy Trumpers have been saying that for so long. And, and they, I think, are in the same boat as the progressives. This is similar to when I talk about, like, uh, you know, if you heard me back in the spring talking about how, like, I think sometimes the rad trads and the, like, woke Catholics fall into similar like anti-papist fallacies and you know error 
anti-pope, you know, stances. In, in the same way, I think you have these extreme Trumpers that are just like the progressives and think that now is the end times or this is the time of redemption. And that Trump is the redeemer. And it just doesn't make any sense. I think it's extremely foolish. Um, and I hate it. And I hate the way that he acts. I hate the way that he presents himself. I hate how hard he makes it for people to like him and to vote for him. And honestly, frankly, I'm tired of the it's not a population contest or popularity contest. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of hearing that from conservatives. We understand that. He also lost in 2020 because he didn't think it was a popularity contest. Turns out running for president kind of is a popularity contest. Turns out uh, most elections are somewhat of a popularity contest. Ben Shapiro hits on this and talks about this all the time. A key thing in elections is making it really easy to vote for you and really difficult to vote for your, your opponent. Trump does a decent job of the latter, and he's horrible at the former. He is not good at making it difficult or easy to vote for him. He makes it extremely challenging. And you doing things like this and Trump doing things like this of, of Ron DeSanctimonious, it, he, he's making it hard for us. Like, if I had to vote for him to, today, I would not be happy about it. And I hate everything the Democratic Party stands for. And I would hate today to have to vote for Donald Trump. And I don't know how that's going to change over the next two years. He's been reckless. He's been harmful. I, I've talked to you about the things he's done in the Colorado race for Senate. Of criticizing Joe O'Day. He, he lost us the, the Georgia Senate races um, in 2020. And, and, the, and I hate it. I, I'm just not about it. I think it's really stupid. I think it's foolish. And I don't understand why... Um, why people are still so obsessed with him, uh, this kind of hero syndrome. He's going to be like 95 when he runs for president again. Why can we not have somebody younger? Because there's no humility. Man, it sucks. It super duper sucks. Anyways, so this, this is what I, uh, this comes down to. So you have this kind of end times, this is the most important election of all time, this kind of bullshit, right? And it pushes us into one of two camps. You either become extremely, you either become complacent and indifferent, right? Which is what I think to a certain extent, at least, uh, the blog I mentioned earlier, and people like that try to promote, or you become extremely fearful, anxious, and angry, which is what you see these like always Trumpers becoming, right? Where you are just obsessed with political news. You're obsessed with CNN and Fox News and Alex Jones and QAnon theories and all this shit, right? And so you're just angry. It's these political people who are angry all the time. And I find myself getting into that place. And that's when I know when I even get like kind of close to it that I need to pull back. I need to read some different books, need to focus on some different things um, and prioritize some other areas of my life. The key is how can I find the, the virtue in the middle? Right, which I'm not anxious and I'm not indifferent. And the one thing I said in the article that I try to point out is that I think that the the angry, fearful, anxious people make more sense to me, even though I think that they're also wrong. I do think that in today's world and the situations that we find ourselves in, it makes more sense to be pretty outraged most of the time than it does to be indifferent towards the things that are happening, especially as Catholics. And here's my argument for that. 
as we move further and further from Christendom into this apostolic age, right? We're moving from a society where, you know, 20 years ago, you could assume that most people in the U.S. Uh, would identify as Christian, somewhat religious. They identify that they at least believe in God. And that person still has its challenges to evangelize, right? But it's, it's best to come with somebody who has some foundations of Christianity or else no foundations of Christianity at all, but is at least a rational thinker. This is why I think you see in scriptures, you know, me and my Bible study, we're reading uh, Acts of the Apostles right now. They went to other places as well, but you can see like St. Paul had a lot of success in Greece, right? And so he went to these cities, uh, these city-states and these places in Greece. Um, and I think he had his success there because they were a logical people. They believed in truth. They believed in the pursuit of truth, the pursuit of wisdom. But now what I think is the issue is we've been so indifferent for so long that the argument has totally changed. The culture has totally changed. So, and you've probably heard me make this argument before that we're, we're switching from, you know, the pro-life argument, for example. Hillary Clinton back in the day made famous the slogan or, or was part of making famous the slogan, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Safe, legal, and rare. And it was driven out of a place for, you know, them having uncertainty or, or at least struggling to believe that human life really began at conception. It was born out of a place from that and kind of flowed from this empathy for these extreme circumstances like rape and incest. And so for those extreme circumstances, for other extreme circumstances or health issues or whatever, extreme financial distress and early pregnancy, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. To now, Democrats and radical pro-abortion people who are Shout your abortion. The abortion rallies, they're, they're, they're mocking. Um, we saw it this past Halloween with like people dressing up as abortionists and carrying around these dead babies. Like A lot of people on the internet, on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, you're seeing them acknowledge, yes, this is a human life. Yes, it is a totally different heartbeat. It's a totally different person. It is a person. And they're like, but I want to kill it anyways. And it's my right to do so. My human right to kill this baby, to kill this other person. And they celebrate it. They have abortion parties. There's cakes that are made. There's all kinds of dark stuff. And it's much more difficult to argue that human life has inherent value than it is to argue with somebody, the old Hillary Clintons, the old people who agreed that human life had, had inherent value. But they didn't believe that a baby at six, seven weeks in the womb, a fetus, was a human life. That's an easier argument to make. It's less philosophical. It's less theological. So you're kind of coming at it on, on this, this equal playing field. You're, you're arguing on this common ground of we're decent human beings. We believe that other human beings have a right to life. That human life has value and meaning and purpose. But as we've allowed people to lose that value, meaning, and purpose in their own lives... You see this a lot on pro-choices on social media as well, where they say, you know, I wish my mom had aborted me. I wish I'd been aborted. I would never have gone through this suffering. And these are dark, lost, broken people who are saying things like this. And we allowed, I think, through our indifference, through this over-preaching of get politics out of church, church and state should be separate, 
priests and bishops have no right telling us who to vote for or what we should do in our civic duty. This is where we've gotten to. And so I make the same argument with when it comes to trans ideology, right? Back in the day, trans ideology was saying, yeah, but just call them the pronouns. It's just an empathetic, it's a nice thing to do. You know, they're struggling with gender dysphoria and it's the kind, polite thing to do is just to kind of, you know, appease them and go along with it. You don't want to be combative. You don't want to be fighting. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to hurt them. And it was kind of this enablement thing, right? As we're now, trans ideologues are saying, no, you should call them by the proper pronouns because they are, like that man has become a woman. And they'll argue, and he was never actually, or she was never actually a man because her whole life, she saw herself as a woman. So you're not, it's not that you should, you know, avoid misgendering somebody, but you should actively call them the pronouns. You should be a Catholic podcaster and put these stupid ass pronouns in your bio. And, um, yeah, and highlight all of these things that are just nonsense and actively participate in this stuff so as to support the dysphoria and the delusion that other people are living in. But now they're saying, no, it's not even delusion. It's just their truth because there's no such thing as truth. Comes back to Pontius Pilate looking at the Lord and saying, what is truth? That's some crazy shit. That's a totally different argument to make, to try to convince somebody that some things in life are actually true. That you can't change reality. That each individual does not have the right, believe it or not, to adjust and change the definitions of words and our language, our common language, to fit their feelings. It's a totally different ballgame, man. And so that's what the indifference has gotten us. And so we have to be mindful of that, right? We have to be aware. We have to be engaged. We have to be active citizens in that way. Now, the important thing to keep in mind with that is this awareness, this understanding that this shit's happening, right, um, should propel us towards action. And the action it should propel us towards is, is holiness, right? And I'm not going to say that, that just like praying the rosary is the only thing you can do, right, that only holiness. But it does mean that, that I think what the more the more we're focused on the things that we can control, the less anxious and angry and outraged you're going to be all the time. Because taking action, taking properly focused and aimed action, always, always lowers your anxiety, always lowers your stress levels. And so when you have that, you, you know that it's just like when, when you're stressed about, you're behind on stuff, right? You're overwhelmed with all the things you have to do. You, you've fallen behind. The hardest thing is it's overwhelming because you don't have like a list, right? You don't have a plan. And so when we can start to analyze ourselves, our own spiritual journey, our own walk, our own pursuit of excellence in our lives, then we can say, okay, you know, um, things aren't perfect. I'm frustrated, but I'm at least locked in on the things that I'm doing. I'm at least locked in on the things I can control. And that's my holiness. That's my surrendering my life, my heart, my everything to God. That's my, uh, you know, intentionality with how I'm, you know, leading my marriage, how I'm leading my family, um, the excellence that I bring to the workplace, 
and the ways that I interact with my friends and family to help them along their own journey to understand the truth, to follow the truth as a person in Jesus Christ, and to live that truth in every asset, every one of the seven pillars in their own life. Because we know that that's what's going to help people, right? To truly start to open their eyes and be willing to see some of this stuff and to open up and actually understand that, okay, you know, um, maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to change. Maybe truth does exist, right? And when we're excellent, when we're loving, when we're um, on fire, right, with holiness and, and virtue, that's what's going to make people a little bit more receptive and open to what we have to say. And that's ultimately why I think that we should be so frustrated with the things that are happening right now. I think this coming generation, this generation, this Gen Z man is going to be really hard to evangelize. They're so messed up. And then I think it's Gen Alpha, the one that's after them. And they're the ones that are getting like CRT children's books and gender ideology at two, three, four years old. And I mean, they're just going to be so effed up in the head. It's going to, I mean, it's tough. It's going to be really hard. It's like, you know, back in the day, you had like just your everyday, your neighbors, friends, classmates, and stuff like that. Like that's who you were trying to evangelize. Imagine going into like homeless encampments, you know, where you have like drug addicted people and people who are just kind of like mentally ill beyond the point of reason. Like we're making people mentally ill. So you've gone from trying to like evangelize your neighbors, friends, family members to like trying to evangelize people who are going to be straight up mentally ill. Um, that aren't going to believe in any truth and any morality, but they only believe in the government and their own personal truth. Their concepts of human rights are just so distorted from hearing all this propaganda year after year after year. It's going to be rugged. And so that's why you should be upset. That's why you shouldn't be indifferent. Yes, you should take your identity in Christ, but you have to understand that as my identity is in Christ, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ I'm called to go out and make disciples of other people. I should be pretty upset when other people in, in society are making that very, very difficult. Right? And so we have to be be mindful of those things. But while all of this is frustrating and, and I, you know, God only knows what's going to happen here today or what happened last week now that you're listening to this after election, you know, it's election week now. It's not even election day. So who knows if we'll even have the results by the time you hear this podcast. But just remember, no matter how happy or mad you are, that none of it matters if you're not a saint. And that while this might not be the most important time of human history, today is the most important time in your life for you to choose sainthood, for you to choose holiness, because it's the only time that you can. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You can't do shit about what you did yesterday or last week or last year. What you can do is today, you can choose to be excellent. You can choose to be disciplined. You can choose to give your all. You can choose to give your life over to God. You can choose to make time to pray. You can choose to go to confession, to daily mass, whatever it is. You can make new commitments, new goals, new resolutions on the man or woman that you're going to be that's going to be the type of person that can help to lead and build a strong family and hopefully rebuild this culture from the inside out. Because that, I think, is the only true option. It's the only way it's going to happen. So what's it going to be? You get to decide, my friend. Awesome. Well, it was great talking with you today. Thank you for your time. Um, I hope that you're not too mad about the election results. I hope I'm not too mad about the election results. We'll see what happens here uh, for the rest of this week or month or however the hell long it takes to get this sketchy shit over with. 
it's going to be fun, man. Say a prayer for us. Uh, I know of our prayers for you. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope God continues to bless you in your walk of excellence in this life. And remember always to strive hard to be your best. God bless.